It's a beautiful day in this neighborhood, a beautiful day for a neighbor. Would you be mine? Could you be mine? It's a neighborly day in this beauty wood, a neighborly day for a beauty. Would you be mine? Could you be mine? I have always wanted to have a neighbor just like you. I've always wanted to live in a neighborhood with you. So let's make the most of this beautiful day. Since we're together, we might as well say, Would you be mine? Could you be mine? Won't you be my neighbor? Won't you please? Won't you please? Please won't you be my neighbor? I could tell from your reactions that most of you had seen that show before. <laughs> Tyler, had you seen that show before? Okay. I, I, that, so we, we, we know the age generation here. Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood. Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood is one of those shows that I feel like I did not fully appreciate in my youth. Sort of like my parents. Right, most of us, you know, as we get older, our parents get smarter, but they never change. Right, as I look back now, I realize that Mr. Rogers had wisdom that, it, you know, I probably should have paid more attention to. Um, so today we're going to look at a story that I think ties in really well with uh, the, the, the messages that, that he had to say. We're looking at Would You Be My Neighbor? This is a, a message in our Follow Me series. If you've got your Bible, you can turn to Luke chapter 10. Luke chapter 10. We're going to start in verse 25 as usual. I will put the, the text on the screen if you don't have a Bible. If you want to follow along on the screen, you certainly can. We're going to look at a story that uh, tells the interaction of Jesus with a, an expert in the law, a lawyer who comes to test him, and we're going to see uh, a little bit about what it means to be a good neighbor. So this is how Luke starts out the story. He says, on one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? So that's you know, that's very similar to the kinds of questions that we might ask. What do I need to do to be saved? How do I know that I'm saved? The, you know, now the, the expert in the law, this lawyer's coming up, not necessarily because he sincerely wants to know, as we're going to see, but he's, he's trying to test Jesus. He's trying to, you know, figure out where Jesus is at. He wants to test him, push him a little bit. So he asks this question, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And so we're going to look at Jesus' response here. And I love how Jesus begins this response. Uh, it's, it's a great, it's a great um, communication tool. Jesus responds by uh, asking another question. He responds to a question with a question. He says, well, what is written in the law? Right? He was talking to an expert in the law. He was talking to somebody who, who knew the law. And so he said, well, what is written in the law? How do you read it? What's your understanding? So sometimes, you know, if somebody tries to, to trip us up with a question, one of the ways that we can sort of respond is by responding with another question, getting some clarifying answers. So Jesus wants to figure out where this guy's at. He says, what is written in your law? How do you read it? So the lawyer answered, 
He said, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. So the, the lawyer seems to have understood the law. He seems to have distilled it down. Jesus had said the same thing at other times. Uh, he seems to have the right answer. The lawyer, the expert in the law, he has the right book answer. So Jesus responds, and Jesus says, You have answered correctly. Do this, and you will live. Right? Do this, and you will live. If you love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, if you love your neighbor as yourself, do this, and you'll live. You can have, this is the, the way to eternal life. That's the, this is the man's question. And so, so the guy had given the right answer. Jesus had said, all right, you've given the right answer. Go and do this, and you'll live. But something inside of that guy, something inside of this expert in the law just wanted to push this just a little bit further. Luke tells us what he says next. The lawyer says this, but he wanted to justify himself. The lawyer wanted to justify himself, and so he asked Jesus, well, Jesus, who is my neighbor? He wanted to justify himself. He wanted to find some sort of a loophole, right? He wanted to find out what was the, the very minimum that he had to do to get where he wanted to go without going over and above. He wanted to know what's the very minimum. He wanted to justify himself because somewhere inside of himself he knew that there was something more to loving his neighbor than he wanted to do or than he was willing to do. And that little thing inside of him pressed him because he, he wanted to find that loophole. He wanted to find that justification. And I think we all do that from time to time. Right? We, you know, there's, there's something that we know that we should do, but we don't really want to do it. And so we're really good at coming up with some sort of excuse or some sort of justification. I, I'm excellent at this. I can come up with a justification for just about anything I don't want to do. Um, it's, and it's not a good thing, right? It's, it's, that's, it's not a good thing to be able to justify things that we shouldn't do or things that we should do. But we, we tend to do that. We look for the loopholes. We look for the exceptions. We look for the, the bare minimum that we can do just to get by. And that's what we see in this expert in the law. He, he knew that there was something more to loving your neighbor than he wanted to do and that he was willing to do. So he asked this question, who is my neighbor? He was hoping that Jesus would, would give him an out, that Jesus would give him an easy out. Oh, your neighbor is the, you know... Neighbor only refers to the person who lives right next door to you. And no, that's all you got to care about is only the people who live, you know, right next door to you. Or, or, or the, you know, your neighbor is only the people who look just like you. You know, the, the, the only people you need to care about and love are, you know, your neighbors are the people who look like you. Or, or your neighbors are the people who believe like you. Or your neighbors are the people who go to your same synagogue. Or who go to your same church. Or who go to your same school. Or live in your neighborhood. Anybody else, you know, they're not really your neighbor. That doesn't really classify as your neighbor. That's what the lawyer was hoping that Jesus would say, that Jesus would give him an easy out, that he would have the, the very minimum that he could do to get by, that he could draw his little circle around his neighbor, take care of those people, and then sort of move on with blinders and the rest of his life. And as we're going to see, Jesus doesn't let him off quite that easy. And for those of us who sometimes want to justify uh, ourselves, he's not going to let us off all that easy as well. So Luke tells us that Jesus said in reply... And, and what we're going to see here, Jesus doesn't, this is one of the things I love about Jesus. It's one of the things I'm trying to learn from him. Jesus doesn't come back and just tell him the answer. He doesn't say, this is who your neighbor is. Jesus begins to tell a story, right? And, and I, I just love the way that Jesus interacts with people. He, he seems to be able to communicate in a way that's going to get their attention, and it's going to get it in a way that, that catches their attention and, and leaves them uh, with the right answer, but not just necessarily giving them the right answer right away. Jesus begins to tell a story. One of the greatest things we can do sometimes is just to tell a story and let people come to a conclusion on their own. So we're going to look at the story that Jesus tells this expert in the law about, about what it means to love your neighbor. Remember the question. The, the lawyer's question was, who 
is my neighbor? Who is my neighbor? That's the question that Jesus is going to answer with the story. So he starts off the story like this. He says, a man was going down from Jerusalem. So he starts it off, you know, once upon a time, right? Once upon a time, there was a guy who was going from Jerusalem to Jericho. He was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho, two cities in the uh, ancient Judea. Um, we don't know much about this man. Uh, we know that Jesus' audience was predominantly Jewish. Uh, so we probably know that in their mind, they're probably picturing a, a Jewish man. He's going from Jerusalem to Jericho, so they're probably picturing, you know, one of their fellow Jews in their mind when he begins to tell this story. You know, when, uh, when we, we, toward a, we tend to fill in details, we tend to, you know, when you read a book, you tend to imagine what the people might look like. We tend to imagine they look a lot like us generally, right? Which is why we all sort of, you know, in all, all of our modern artwork, we portray Jesus as white, right? Jesus probably wasn't white. We just think he was because we're white. Um, you know, he was Middle Eastern and all that. We, we tend to imagine people the way that we are. And so we can imagine that these people, as they hear this story, the teacher and the law and Jesus' audience, are imagining uh, this man who's going from Jerusalem to Jericho is probably a Jew in their minds. As he was going, uh, he was attacked by robbers, Jesus says. Now, this is a make-believe story, but it's, it's a make-believe story that was very, very plausible within that time and that culture. Travel during that time and that culture was a very, very dangerous activity. The roads uh, were, were hotbeds for robbers and thieves. It's why people generally didn't travel alone, because robbers and thieves would hide out in caves, would hide out behind bushes and trees and around curves and all that, waiting for an unsuspecting traveler. It was easy to find an unsuspecting traveler. It's not like, you know, they didn't have cars with locks in that day. They, they either walked places, right, or they, they rode on their uh, donkeys so that, you know, they didn't go super fast. They were easy prey for, for robbers, so you had to be aware. So this isn't a situation that would have been implausible for Jesus' hearers. They would have known that this, this really could happen to somebody. They'd probably seen it. They'd probably seen or known somebody who had been attacked on a roadway at some point in their life. So Jesus says they stripped him of his clothes, they beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. So in this story, Jesus says there's somebody going down. They probably imagined a Jew. Uh, as he was traveling from Jerusalem to Jericho, they, they robbed him, they beat him, they took everything he had, and they left him for dead. Jesus goes on to say this. A priest happened to be going down the same road. A priest. So this is a religious professional. This is somebody who had studied the law. This was a time, you know, these, these were the religious experts, the religious professionals of the day. They knew all the ins and outs of the law. They knew all the sacrificial systems. They knew what was right and wrong. They were the people that you would go to. So, you know, in, in our day, this, you know, this was a pastor. If, if I was telling the story, I would say a pastor was going down the, the road. Um, and he saw this man, right? And when he saw the man, what did he do? He passed by on the other side. Now, for us, we can, you know, we tend to look at that and we say, well, geez, that was, you know, that, that was not very compassionate. That was not very loving. That was not very neighborly. But if we, if we stop and we think about the culture, this was, you know, maybe he had a good excuse, right? Maybe the priest had, had a good excuse. Uh, maybe he thought the guy was already dead. Uh, maybe he didn't look conscious and, and he had to go do some sacrifices and he knew that if he touched a dead body, he would be unclean until the evening and he couldn't carry on with his priestly responsibilities. So maybe he had a good priestly excuse to not get close to what he thought was a dead body. That's, that's very a real possibility. Uh, the other thing is, is we know that sometimes the, the robbers and the thieves in that culture would set up decoys. 
they would set up somebody who looked like they were hurt uh, to, to draw in a, um, an unsus- unsuspecting, caring person with a good heart. Uh, and so they would set up decoys, and then when somebody came to check on them, what they would do is then they would then rob that person. Uh, you've maybe seen that in movies, or, you know, or you've heard of stories like that. Um, so maybe the Levite was trying to be wise. He was traveling by himself. He said, hey, you know, my own safety might be at risk. I can't, you know, I'd like to help, but maybe this is a trap and, and I can't risk it. So maybe he had a good excuse, right? This is a, a religious professional. He, he knew the law. He knew what it was, you know, he knew that love your neighbor was important. Um, and he decided to pass by on the other side. Jesus goes on. He says, so too a Levite. A Levite was also um, upper religious class, not, not as high class as the priest, not as professional as the priest, but another high-level religious person in the day. They, um, you know, they were part of the um, sacrificial system. They were supposed to know parts about the law. So that, again, for Jesus' Jewish hearers, this would have been like, say this was a, you know, a deacon or a, you know, a seminarian or something like that, you know, somebody who's supposed to know something about the law, um, somebody who's supposed to know what it means to love and serve and honor God. And this, this Levite, this other religious person, when he came to the place and saw him, he also passed by on the other side. And so what we get in this language here, it's, it's not as if, what, the, the picture that Jesus is painting is not like they're going one way and they maybe see something and they're not sure what it is. The, the picture Jesus is painting is that they're, they're walking up, they see somebody that they know is hurt or possibly dead, and they actually cross to the other side of the road. This is, this is a... This is an intentional seeing a need. They, they see a need. They see somebody in need, and they walk around, or they, you know, step over the guy. And these are the religious professionals. These are the people who are supposed to know what it means to follow God. And so at this point, you know, you can sort of imagine the, the expert in the law saying, oh, okay, so maybe what Jesus is trying to get across here is that, you know, my neighbor, you know, my neighbor is not the person, you know, that I meet on the street. Maybe Jesus, you know, Jesus is trying to tell me, okay, so Jesus, he's, he's telling me my neighbor is, you know, only the people who live by me or only the people in my community. Maybe Jesus is trying to tell me that, you know, I don't have to care for everybody that I come across on a regular basis. He, maybe he's starting to get his hopes up a little bit saying, okay, well, this is good. Maybe, maybe I am justified in my understanding of what it means to love my neighbor. What Jesus says next would have made everybody listening really, really uncomfortable. But a Samaritan, at which point everybody in the audience would have gone, right? Samaritan? What do you mean a Samaritan? Remember, the Samaritans, the relationship between the Jews and the Samaritans in the first century Judea was not good. The Jews looked at the Samaritans as half-breeds. The Samaritans looked at the Jews as elitists. It was, you know, so you've got, um, you know, depending on, on where you're brought up, you've got, you know, the Montagues and the Capulets. You've got the Bloods and the Crips. Maybe modern day, you've got the, the Democrats and the Republicans. Um, you know, you've got the, uh, uh, in a very real sense, modern day Israelis and Palestinians. Groups of people that really do not like one another, cannot stand one another. You know, they, they wouldn't hang out together. You wouldn't let your kids play with their kids. This, was, this, this wasn't like, oh, you know, we don't, you know, they're okay. We don't really like them, but they're okay. This was, there was deep hatred and animosity between many of the Jews and many of the Samaritans. Jesus picking a Samaritan as this, in this story was intended to, to really make a point. When the lawyer heard Jesus say, 
but a Samaritan. I can just imagine him starting to have this deep sinking feeling in his chest. Like, oh, man, I know where this is going. You know, everybody in the audience is like, no, please, please don't say it. Please don't say it, Jesus. Jesus continues on. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was, and when he saw him, he what? He took pity on him. He took pity on him. Now, in our culture, uh, pity is, is not necessarily a positive word. We've talked about this before. I think a better translation would be he, he had compassion on him. Uh, I've told you this word before, this, this word for having compassion on somebody. Um, it comes from a word that, that talks about, uh, it's an anatomical part, the, the innards, the inward part, the, the splankna is the word in Greek, and it, it means to, to be moved with compassion, to, to feel something viscerally on the inside. This Samaritan, not, the, the, this one who's supposed to be this, this half-breed, this, this uh, unworthy type of person, this Samaritan, walks up, and he's the one who took pity on him and had compassion on him. Moving on, Luke tells us, he thought to himself, poor guy, somebody ought to do something to help him. And he continued on his journey, promising to keep that poor man and his family in his thoughts and prayers. Oh, is it your guys' Bible don't say that? No, here's what Luke really said. Here's, here's what Jesus really said in that story. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Pay attention to all of the verbs. This, this Samaritan, this half-breed, in, the, in, their, in their view, uh, saw a man in need, saw a person in need. He went to him. This is, so already he's doing something differently than the religious professionals did, than the people who knew better did. right? He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey and brought him to an inn and took care of him. Not only that, he stayed the night with him, apparently. He, he took care of him for a whole night. Uh, the next day, he took out two denarii, which, by the way, is two days' wage for a day laborer. Right? So imagine making minimum wage, two full days' wage for a day laborer. He left two denarii with the innkeeper and gave them to the innkeeper, said, look after him, and when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. Talk about compassion that goes above and beyond, right? Not only did he see the man, not only did he feel compassion, which none of the other guys did, the religious people didn't do it, the church people didn't even feel compassion for this guy in need, and this outsider, this half-breed who, who's, not, who's not supposed to know anything about the one true God, sees this person, takes pity on him, feels compassion, and his compassion, this is what I want you to, I, I don't want you to miss this, his compassion led to action. His compassion led to action. He didn't just say, oh, oh, I feel for you, brother. I feel, that must be, I'll, I'll pray for you. I'll pray for you, brother. You know, and, and move on his way. His compassion in this instance led him to action. It led him to do something tangible to care for this person. And remember, this was at great personal risk to himself. The very act of going to this person laying on the street, this was a risky move. 
right? There, it could have been a decoy. It could have been a trap. There could have been robbers hanging out just around the corner waiting to come to the next unsuspecting fella who comes to, to show some compassion. This was a risky move. This, this wasn't safe necessarily. He, he stepped outside of his comfort zone. He took a risk and he took great personal cost to show love and compassion to a person in need. So Jesus finishes this story. He tells the story. At this point, everybody in the audience knows where he's going with this. The, 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 the expert in the law who asked the question, you know, you just know he, he's like, I wish I wouldn't ask that question because now he comes face to face with the question that Jesus is going to ask him. And this is what Jesus asks. He says, which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of robbers? Which of these three do you think was a neighbor? What I love about this is Jesus took the question that the man asked and he flipped it on its head, right? The man asked, who is my neighbor? Jesus took that question and he just rearranged it a little bit. He said, who was a neighbor to the man who was hurt? Who acted like a neighbor to the man who was hurt? Jesus tells us, the man responds, The expert in the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. And as I think about this, when I read this, I just sort of, I sort of picture in my mind him, you know, sort of mumbling the answer the first time, like, "Ah, the one who had mercy on him. And Jesus said, I'm sorry, what, I I, I couldn't quite hear you. Who who, who is the one who was a neighbor? And, And the guy says, the one who had mercy on him, because he knew that he was caught. He knew that in his, in his self-justification, he had missed the point that he had missed what it means to, to really be a neighbor. And, and, and what I think is really interesting about this is that it's, it's almost like he couldn't bring himself to say the S word, right? It's almost like he couldn't bring himself to admit that it was the Samaritan, right? He, ha- he, had, to, he, had, to, he had to describe him some other way, the one who had mercy on him. It's like he, he couldn't even fathom that some outsider would understand neighborly love and compassion more than the religious professionals. Jesus told him, go and do likewise. Go and do likewise. This is, this is, so this is one of the most famous stories, right? We we talk about, you'll hear on the news, people will refer to good Samaritans, right? A good Samaritan is somebody who stops and does something to help somebody else. Just yesterday, I was at a National Guard event, and one of the, uh, um, young men from one of the units that I serve received an award because as he was driving down, uh, he was a, he's a firefighter in the National Guard. He was off duty. He was just driving and he saw a building on fire. He got out of his building. He rushed and he saved two people's life at a great risk to him himself. He rushed into this building and saved their lives. He was a good Samaritan. This is a term that we use all of the time. Somebody who does something good for other people a lot of times at risk to themselves. Jesus says, this is what it means to love our neighbor. This is what it means to love our neighbor. Fred Rogers, who I am sort of impersonating today, had this to say. We live in a world in which we need to share responsibility. It's easy to say, it's not my child, not my community, not my world, not my problem. Then there are those who see the need and respond. I consider those people my heroes. I love this. 
And the, and the moral of the story that Jesus is telling us here is sometimes, sometimes it's the outsiders who get it more than the insiders. Sometimes it's the outsiders who get it more than the insiders. In this case, it wasn't, it wasn't the person in my role who got it right. It was one of those, you know, try to think of who would be the Samaritan in our day. One of those, you know, uh, compassionate atheists out there. Somebody who doesn't believe, but somehow they seem to always have more compassion and more love and more generosity than some of the Christian people that you know. Nobody in this room, I'm sure, but you know, you know people who claim to be followers of Jesus and, and don't want to show compassion or who will pass by somebody in need and say, well, you know what? That's not my problem. That's not my community. That's not my neighbor. And there are some people who, on the outside, this is what Jesus says, sometimes God uses people on the outside to judge people who are on the inside. That's exactly what Jesus is doing with this story. He's saying sometimes the, the people who claim to be the most religious, who always show up, who have the most knowledge, who have the verses, who have the education, who show up every Sunday, they're not the ones who get it. The people, the ones who get it are the ones who are moved with compassion, who are moved to action, who do something with, with that uh, situation in need. So here's the bottom line. The question isn't who. The question is how. The question isn't who. The question is how. The man missed the point when he said, who is my neighbor? Because he wanted to justify himself. He wanted to say, who is it that I'm supposed to show compassion for? What's the minimum amount that I can do to get by, to to get eternal life? What's the minimum number of people that I have to love in order to sort of get uh, where I want to go? Jesus says, you're asking the wrong question. It's not who. It's not who's your neighbor. The question is how. How do you be a neighbor to anyone you come across in need? How can you be a good neighbor to whoever you come across that has a need? How can you be a good neighbor in your community? How can you be a good neighbor at your workplace? How can you be a good neighbor when you're traveling across the country? How can you be a good neighbor in the airport? How can you be a good neighbor in school? How can you be a good neighbor in the supermarket? How can you be a good neighbor to anybody that you come across? What does compassion look like in any situation you come across where somebody has a need? Are you willing to take risk to yourself? Are you willing to take cost to yourself in order to to love somebody who, who may not look like you, somebody who may not think like you, somebody who may not believe like you, somebody who may not worship like you, somebody who may believe the opposite of you, somebody who may even be your enemy. In this particular case, if the man going from Jerusalem to to Jericho was a Jew, then the Samaritan was actually demonstrating enemy love, wasn't he? If it was actually a Jew, then the Samaritan was actually demonstrating love for his enemy when the Levites and the priest weren't even willing to show love to their own person. So Jesus is, Jesus is showing us here in the Samaritan, it's not your credentials, it's not your religious credentials that matter. It's not how much you, you know about your religious uh, book that matters. It's not how much you've studied or how many verses you have memorized or how perfect your church attendance is. You know, what matters is your compassionate action towards those in need. The question isn't who. The question is how. So the question for you is, won't you be a neighbor? Join me in prayer. Lord, we thank you for the way that you have preserved these stories for us in Scripture. We thank you for Jesus' teaching, the way that he can confront us in areas where we may seek to justify ourselves, where we may seem to want to find a loophole or an excuse or a justification, we thank you that Jesus doesn't let us off the hook that easy. 
Father, we know that you have called us to be the hands and feet of Jesus everywhere that we go to, to demonstrate your love and your goodness through our love and our goodness to others. So, Father, help us to be honest about areas where we may seek to justify ourselves, where we may seek to find loopholes. Help us to exhibit this kind of radical, self-sacrificial, costly love for others. Help us to be people who are known by our radical love and our compassion for others. Father, may the compassion we feel on the inside work its way out into our action towards others. Help us to be good Samaritans everywhere we go, and let that be a pointer towards your goodness and your grace. Father, we don't have anything to give but what you've given us. You've loved us, and so we take that love, Father, and we want to share it with the world. Help us to, to share that love everywhere we go. Help us to be moved with compassion. Help us to be good neighbors wherever we are. In Jesus' name.